love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Woman podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, it feels like Groundhog Day because I'm uh, back and asking you again about a race. Um, this seems like, you know, every single week, these last couple of weeks, but you are fresh off of your first ever swim run race, right? How did it go? Yeah, I'm officially a swim swim runner, which is cool. Um, it went really well. So I headed down south to just outside of Asheville, a town called Nebo, North Carolina, and for swim run Lake James. And it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. Um, I got down there. Let's see, the race was Saturday. So um, I am racing. So with Jared Shoemaker and Steve Keller, who are my partners for the one water race that I'm racing in August. And one water is a team of three that you race with typical swim run. You are doing teams of two. Um, and then they've been adding solo categories for short course and swim run, which is cool if you wanted to race alone, but after this experience, I definitely would suggest racing with a partner. If you have someone that you could race with or found one. Um, and so like we got down there, Jared and I were there earlier. So we did a little bit of a shakeout to like get my gear sorted and Haley, this is like the one sport with there's like a lot of gear involved for just swimming and running surprisingly, because you have your swim run wetsuit. You have, um, I was wearing like compression socks. You have shoes that you're wearing and you swim in your shoes, you run in the shoes. Then you're swimming with a pull buoy and paddles, goggles and a swim cap. And then you, but you also have to have like the contraptions that allow you to keep the pull buoy like attached to you while you're running. Cause you have to be carrying everything that you're swimming with while you run. And then you also have a tether so you can, you don't have to do it, but it's like definitely helpful to tether to each other during the swim, particularly. Um, and so there's all sorts of like cords and carabiners and elastic and things. And like, there's just a lot going on. And when you have paddles on your hands, you can imagine that like, you don't have a lot of hands free to be doing these sorts of things. So there's like a routine. You got to get your routine down, you know, of like cap, goggles, paddles, carabiner, tether, go, you know, like things like that. And then, um, then you're off. But once you get that routine down it and you start like flowing with the sport and you're like, man, this is like, this is super fun. Cause you know, just about when you get tired of swimming, you are hitting an Island or, you know, the beach to get out and run a little bit. And then when you're like really sick of the running, you're like, Ooh, okay, now I can cool off in the water for a little bit. And it was, it was just way more fun to like bounce between the two kind of than I expected. And it took us a little over three hours and 45 minutes. Um, and so that's like a short for you. you. Know, that's short, short for, for you. me. Yeah. Short, short for me in the grand scheme of things. How but, did your team work um, together? Like, did it, did you all like, was there good synergy? There was. So we were very happy about that because it was the first time we were meeting in person. Um, and I mean, if we didn't like each other, I don't know what we would be doing for the race in August, but I think we, we had good energy between us. There was good, like balance of strength and weaknesses. I think, uh, we all, Jared has raced swim run before, but Steve and I had not. So Steve and I liked it, which is good because 
if we didn't like it, we would also be, uh, it would be a long few months ahead of us <laughs> too. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, it was good, definitely a good experience for us because there's a lot of things we have to work on before August, just in terms of like fine tuning all of those tethers and things like that. You know, um, this race, Jared was always leading the swims, but, uh, we were fortunate that we had some Swedish like weather throughout, right. It was pretty cloudy, raining at times, um, fairly cool, like in the sixties in the air and water actually. So, um, that is like, hopefully (laughs) the weather will be getting in Sweden. And so we got to kind of use some of the gear and the longest swim we had was 1600. And had we had to swim, you know, three K, um, the draft effect is real Haley. Like you do not work as hard when you are drafting swimming, like, especially when people are swimming with paddles, these giant pull buoys, you can get these like very, very buoyant pull buoys that you would never use in a pool setting. Cause they're so buoyant. You can't even like put your legs down to get to like turn kind of thing. And you're like, I mean, it's just like, you, you know, you're like, you're almost like a skim board is how I picture myself. Um, and so when you're doing that, and you're not the one leading, you know, like I'd look up a second and I'd like see Jared, Jared's like working and Jared can swim, right? We know Jared can swim well. And he's like clearly working. And I'm like, man, this is like way easier for me sitting second, way easier for Steve third. And so we realized that like, yeah, we're definitely going to need some strategies to keep ourselves warm for those longer swims. Um, oh, and, interesting. Cause you yeah. actually get cold cause you're not working as hard. Yeah. And, so like, be, and also Jared is going to get worn out and then you're right. gonna be like pulling him <laughs> with the tether up some of those mountains. Exactly. So it was good to just see that play out and be like, okay, you know, first of all, with paddles and this like magical pull buoy, I can actually swim fast enough to like, you know, do some work at times, right? Like Steve is also able to do that too. Like we weren't sure how our swimming capabilities would all end up matching up with all the equipment and things like that, but we will be able to trade off at like strategic times and have that be beneficial to us. Um, and yeah, we're definitely though going to need some like good solid thermal wetsuit gear to make sure. Cause yeah, you could go from like kind of cold to like really cold fast, I think in those longer swims. So do you end up running with like a cap and goggles on and with like paddles on your hands? So I took if any run over like a half a mile, I was taking my cap off. Um, and my goggles, we realized we should have just slid our goggles around our neck, but I was like, tearing them sometimes. Right. Like that's, and the cap too, like you need both of those. So I was like stuffing my cap into my sports bra and then around the waist carabiner, I was like clipping the goggles into. Um, and then uh, some people clip their paddles onto that, their waist as well, but then you get like clinking paddles. Like, I know you're a lot of jingling, jingling. Yeah. (laughs) Jingle, jangle. So (laughs) I don't like that. So I did like the reverse ninja where like you put the paddle to the back of your hand. Um, so I did that for some of it. And then some, I just kind of like scooted my hand out of the finger strap and just like grabbed onto the paddle. And that was actually pretty comfortable. Like I like that because the paddles are pretty light and it gave my hand something to do, but then, you know, four hours of exercise where we were going as hard as we could at some points, or at least I was running as hard as I could. I think I, you know, they weren't necessarily running as hard as they could, but, um, you have to fuel, right? So then you have to figure out, um, the, the fueling. And so smash fest queen makes like a a bra, a sports bra with pockets in it. So I had worn that. And that was really nice because then with the swim run wetsuit, which I was wearing, um, 
and you zip unzip that. And then I had like easy access to my gel pockets in the bra, which was good. I think, um, you can get like actually neoprene tops, which have that pocket built in too. Um, but it was warm enough that I didn't want like a full neoprene extra layer. Um, and then you have like a zipper pocket in the back and I had a flask there. And so, but then sometimes, yeah, so you just, you have your paddles and then you're like trying to get the fuel and like do all of that without dropping things. And I'm like, I mean, at one point I just was like a yard sale and poor Steve had to like pick up all my things, but, um, you, you that's do. what practice is for. Yeah. And it's I, like the practice it, like, makes perfect. Pull boy. Pro, I mean, normally like I'm not a huge fan of pull boys, but I can see where like when you're swimming with shoes, having a giant pull boy is probably really nice. Cause you just like, don't kick then. And then, you know, it's not as big a deal that you're wearing shoes. Yeah. And you know, I have never like, I've done, so I, this was my first swim and race, but one time at camp, we did like a swim run simulation. So I had swum with shoes then too. And I'm never really bothered actually. Like I never feel like, I feel like maybe I pick very buoyant shoes or something because I feel like my feet never are sinking or maybe that's just in my head, but, um, they, with the buoy, it definitely helps keep them afloat. And then I wore the VJ shoes extreme two, And those were like, are made for obstacle racing and for swim run. And they drain really, really well. They had really good lugs. Um, we had like big thunderstorms roll through the course before. And so like there was mud everywhere. It was really slippery getting out of some of the banks. And we were just like flying up the banks with our BJ shoes, just getting out of all of the water very easily. Um, and they drained really well. So I didn't have like blisters. I was, we weren't, there was like no squishing, you know, if you normally have wet shoes and that sort of thing. Um, so that was good. So did I think you, it's just like you, a matter like, of getting used to some nerdy gear. Like you just feel like such a, a nerd running through the woods, carrying paddles with a swim cap on. But the swim cap gets so hot if you run too long in it. Like so hot. I bet. Yeah. Um, was this a competitive thing? I know that you had special permission to be a three-person relay. So did that take you out of awards? Yes, it did. So we won the three-person division being the only ones in it. Um, but we, we of course were there to like, you know, still race and, and see what we could do. And they, we were beat by one co-ed team, the Boston wet Sox, who are very talented at this. Um, and then I know (laughs) it's like never change your name. Like this is amazing. Um, and then there was a male team that beat us as well. Um, and so, yeah, a lot to learn. It was, it was the community too. I will say, um, do a little plug for the swim run community. Everyone was like hanging out in the day before, after the meeting and like, so, so helpful answering questions, showing gear, like this could be better than this, or like, this is how you attach this and don't end up with too much in your hands and things like that. Um, Liz Bauer, who is a fellow professional triathlete, we've had her on iron women. She is also a meteorologist. And so with the thunderstorms rolling through, I was like texting her in the morning, like, are we, what's going to happen? And she's like, I think they're just going to delay the start by 30 minutes and then we'll be fine. We'll be clear of the storms. Was she racing too? um, She was racing. Yeah. So she, and she actually raced I with, said, I didn't know if you just like texted her, oh, yeah. <laughs> no matter where you are in the world, you just text Liz Bauer and you're like, Liz, tell me the weather Sweden. <laughs> I know you're not here, but like, tell me what you think about this weather. To be fair, <laughs> since she is into swim run, I probably would before one water, if I was worried about the I'm weather. I'm just like, but also but... I'm like, oh wait, I'm going to like St. Petersburg this yeah. week. Should I be texting Liz Bauer? <laughs> Should we have her come on to Iron Woman for a weather segment every week? <laughs> 
So she was there. She was at the race. She was racing and she was racing with a woman she had was just meeting there. Right. Like they had been kind of set up as partners. Um, and so they won the women's division um, and had a good time. I think it was her partner's first time racing long course. So um, but like, you know, she was super helpful. Like everyone was just so helpful. So like into the sport and it's, it's really fun. And the team names are really fun. Like there's a team name called adorkables and they were, they were, what was your team name? We were, so we call Steve bubbles because the first time we met him, he signed into zoom and his thing said bubbles. And he like had no idea it said that. So we've always called him bubbles, which is also kind of appropriate because we're like a swimming situation. Um, so then Jared just went with like a bath theme. So I think we were like bubbles, rubber ducky and purple fish because he just picked bath toys. So which one are you rubber ducky or purple? Well, that's what we, I asked Jared that like a million times during the race. And he's like, you can be either one. And I was like, well, what did you have in mind? You know, I just kept trying to get him to like, tell me. And we never really figured it out. Which one would you claim? I think I would claim rubber ducky. (laughs) I think, I think I, at various times in the race claim different ones to be honest. Mm, but, okay. um, but yeah, so all in all is fun. I still think Haley, you would be a champion swim runner and this could be your calling whenever you want to take it up. Um, we are sponsor slate on iron women can like have you fully. I know I'm like the BJ shoes. We got the work wetsuit. We got, yes. I just need a pull boy sponsor. I know. <laughs> That at least that's like uh the most like minimal the, the supplies, right? I mean, sounds can, like, like I need a carabiner sponsor. Yeah. yeah, carabiners and like elastic bungees, right? Um <laughs> but it is a really fun sport and I I really liked it. So we're looking forward. We have a couple team meetings coming in the next few months to keep honing in that. But that I guess wraps up my race and Haley, it's race week for you now. This is, it is. really exciting. Yeah. We kind of just flip-flop from March. And so where I did race race and then you race, and now it's opposite. You race twice and I race once. Um, I'm headed to St. Anthony's uh, triathlon this weekend in St. Petersburg, Florida. And this is an Olympic distance race. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. And I have never raced it, even though I lived in the Southeast for such a long time. And, um, it's been around for 40 years. I just have never quite made it there. And I am really excited to, to race St. Anthony's this year. And I think one of the main reasons I wanted to race was because we've interviewed so many women on this show who got their start at St. Anthony's. And that was just like a big reason where I was like, I gotta go check this out. And so it is, it is kind of one of those things where like our guests have influenced me (laughs) and, um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think it's been kind of a fun start to the year for me doing some of these shorter races and trying to channel some speed. I've, I've been kind of nervous about it, but I had a decent run this past weekend. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can run fast and we'll just see how it goes. I do enjoy the Olympic distance. I think I, I got in, you know, the pro side of the sport, just as like non-drafting Olympic was kind of making its exit. And so I didn't really do any of those races. I should have, I think I, especially when I was younger, I think I would have uh, really enjoyed some of those races, but I, it's fun to like, just go hard and be done relatively early in the morning. Although the only thing is that like, I've done, you know, I've done the LA try a couple of times and I'm always like, oh, it's going to feel so short. And it doesn't like 24 miles still feels really long. And, um, and like, it's so hard. You have to go so hard. Yeah. It's just like, you don't have to carry quite as much fuel, but yeah, it's still hard. It's still really hard. So I'm like, 
anxiously uh, anticipating that, but I, I'm really excited. I'm just excited to see, I've never been to St. Petersburg. So I used to go to Tampa all the time for work and never went there. So it's like kind of one of those cool things that I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool that I've been in the sport this long and there's still new things to discover. And, and our, our, our interviews this week are very much St. Anthony's themed. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing those stories and more. I have, I have a really ambitious, like slate of, uh, things I'm planning to do while I'm in St. Petersburg. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, I guess I could say these things I'm going to on Friday morning. There's, um, a tri club called the mad dogs and they are a huge St. Petersburg club. I think there's more than a thousand members. And so if our guests remember, we interviewed Molly Hayes, who's from Bozeman a few years ago, she was, I think 87 at the time. And, uh, you know, she talked about the mad dogs and this, uh, swim they would do before St. St. Anthony's and how she would always go. And I got an email from one of the members of the Mad Dogs because they saw a picture of me and Molly in the Clash Watkins Glen documentary of me interviewing Molly. And um, Molly had since passed away. And so they were just expressing how much they miss Molly. And so I was, and they were like, let us know if you ever come to St. Anthony's. And I was like, I emailed her back, you know, several months later, I'm like, I think I'm coming. And, um, and so I was like, I want to come to your swim because Molly always talked about this swim. And I think they, they howl before they get in the water. So oh hopefully I'll get to experience that. <laughs> um, and it's on, it's, uh, yeah, it's at treasure Island. And then the swim and joy was emailing me and she's like, we're meeting at my mom's house. And she gave me the name of her mom and it's Jackie Yost. And I was like, wait a second. I know who Jackie is because, um, Molly talked about Jackie because, Molly, Jackie is a few years older than Molly. Molly's, you know, Jackie's in her nineties and still racing as far as I know. And so I was like, you know, can I interview your mom? (laughs) And, uh, and Joy said, yes, you know, she, her mom would love that. So hopefully after the swim, I'm going to do a quick interview with uh, Jackie Yost for the podcast that will air, you know, later, um, this, you know, in a couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I think some of these, these interviews, are a little easier to get in person, which is also harder for us to do since we do most of our interviews remotely. But I think that was like one of those things where I was like, okay, this is an opportunity to interview a woman in her nineties who is racing triathlon. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So that's my, that's my Friday. And then, um, on Saturday, I'm actually going to volunteer at the meek and mighty, which is the super sprint triathlon that Julie MT Walker and the Atlanta tri sisters, um, when they've come on, they've talked a lot about the super sprint and the meek and mighty and how it really gets some of their athletes into the sport, how they start with the meek and mighty, and then they'll possibly move on to the sprint or the Olympic distance and even 70.3 after that. And so I want to see what it's like. So I signed up to volunteer at the finish line, which I was like, you know, where do I want to volunteer? And I was like, Oh, I hit on medals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a pool swim. And then, you know, it's, it, it's pretty close to where it's only a mile away from, you know, where the St. Anthony's sprint and Olympic distance race start, but they do a pool swim. And so I'm looking forward, I get to like meet Julie. And so the Atlanta tri sisters in person, which is fun. And, um, and then Sunday I'll do my own race. <laughs> Hopefully I have a little energy left. I'm like, I'm like trying, I like, have I feel like those things are going to put energy into your bucket. So that's, I good. hope so. That's yeah. the idea. I'm just like, I do think I'm at this point in the sport where I'm like, okay, I, I can manage my energy. And I'm like, am you know, where like certain races, yes, I need to really 
you know, focus on the race and not that I'm not focused. I am focused on this race. I mean, I'm going to race hard, but I do think it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I need to also appreciate the other parts of the sport. And so hopefully, um, you know, doing these things ahead of time will, will give me that. Yeah. They'll give me that buzz and then help me really appreciate my own, my own event on Sunday. So if anyone is in a uh, St. Anthony's, I think, you know, yes. say hi, Go I have say a hi lot and of cheer for sure. Neon outfits set out. So I should be easy to spot. <laughs> Yes. Oh, this is cool. I'm very excited to hear all about this. Um, and I have a feeling St. Anthony will live up to the hype, but it'll be good to hear you confirm that then for us next week. Yeah. Have you ever done it? I have not. No, I I'm trying to think of the Olympic distances. I did get to do, I did New York city. Um, and I want to say that's like, really probably like I never did LA and I haven't done St. Anthony's. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe in a few years I'll go back and like race them as an age grouper, but I just honestly, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. These like shorter events. I'm like mm-hmm. really high on them right now. Just the sprint distance races in Daytona, Miami. I just freaking love watching them. And then I know that that they just had the multi-sport festival, USAT multi-sport festival in Irvine. And I had, um, one of my good friends and athletes racing, you know, there and just, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Like it is cool. To, I think I, I probably early in my career was a little bit too long to long course focused. And I still am <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like that's, that's where I am in life. But I do think that there's something really, really cool about mixing it up and just no expectations, right? You can't like hold yourself to any like standard because it's like not your specialty and it's not necessarily what you're always training for. And this is for you, I'm saying you or like our listeners, right? Like to encourage them, I think, um, you know, it is nice to, it's a, and it's a really good workout, you know, to mix in those shorter races and to do that kind of different, you know, stimulus than what you would normally get in your day-to-day training is really, really good for you. So Um, and you, so yeah, I'm excited to hear hear all about it. Yeah. I'll have all the, I'll have a full report next week. Yes. Okay. Um, and I heard we have a mailbag question this week. Yes. So it kind of relates to swim run too. So let's dig in. So iron women podcast at gmail.com. People can send in mailbag questions. Thank you to those who have been sending them in again. And this comes from Jill. Jill's asking for her friend who was doing her first swim run event. So she's basically me. I am not, I am Jill's friend, but not this friend that she's ready. <laughs> and I'm friends with Jill. That would be really awkward. If you had a friend write into your own mailbag, <laughs> asking a question for you, <laughs> they just really want to hear my uh, opinion on it. I know. So anyway, her friend is doing Casco Bay, uh, swim run, which is in July up here in new England, in Portland, Maine. And, um, it is, it's cold cold water in July and Maine. Um, so she's asking, you know, this person's a totally capable swimmer, but has never, um, uh, but not like super strong and has never competed in cold water swimming. So do we have any advice for entering cold water? Um, there will be a run first and then swim, but like just general advice for cold water. Is it better to warm up in the water and then get out and kind of be cold before the official start? Is it better to go in cold Turkey? What about wading in versus diving? Any other expert tips? And so now that I am the swim run expert on the Iron Women podcast, um, I'll, I have a question real quick. Oh, yeah. Do swim runs usually start with a run? So I was thinking about that, and I, I would guess most. I don't think it has to, um, okay. but I would guess most do because it's kind of easier to like. Well, I don't know. It depends on the course, probably. Like if it's easier to spread people out one way or the other. Um, yeah. The one I did started with a run, and I did really like that because. 
you could warm up on land as normal, like warm up for the run. And then, um, yeah, like your heart rate kind of got high and then, but that is like a weird feeling to have a really high heart rate and go into especially cold water. Right. Again, the water we were getting into was like mid sixties. So it wasn't super cold, but it was colder. Um, if it's a warm day, I think it kind of feel, it can feel nice. Right. But it, it still could feel shocking. Um, so I would, say for sure, try and get in the day before if that's an option and just like get in to feel the water, swim around a little bit, just like wrap your head around what that cold water really feels like. Um, and then I, I personally did like a little jog warm up um, versus well, one, because we were running a mile. So I wasn't going to run a mile to go warm up in the swim and then a mile back before the race. So it might not even be like logistically possible to do that depending on the swim run course. Um, but I would say, I would say either, you know, I would, if I would had this athlete, I would give them the choice. Like you could get in and swim if you wanted to, and felt like that was what was going to, you know, be best for your mental side of things to get your heart rate up a little bit before the race, or you could do a jog, um, and, and get your heart rate that way up before the race, if you felt good about that. Um, and then I would just say like for the first swim, just to, you know, there are definitely teams who race these, who are very competitive and very fast and they will hit the beach or the peninsula or whatever you're running off of into the water. And like, without stopping, they have their like little combination of paddles, goggles, cap, you know, tether that they do without even stopping. And they go and they're swimming in like one fluid motion that does not need to be your friend. And so, you know, she can just, you know, take your time, take a breath, wade in slower, um, and just kind of go in without like that full rush of, oh my God, I just ran one mile really hard or two miles really hard. Now I'm swimming, you know, like she could totally give herself a breath and kind of get into the water, give herself a few moments to kind of acclimate to that and kind of keep her heart rate in check and things like that as her swimming arms kind of get under her. Um, when we've talked about it on the podcast before, I know we have mentioned things, you know, and I think the swim run wetsuits are actually really nice because they aren't super constrictive. Like they're just made to be, um, you know, the arm sleeves are separate than like, it's a short sleeve. And then usually you would have arm sleeves for a lot of them. Um, and they're not as tight, like around your neck. Um, they do actually like unzip in the front. So if you did feel like it was super tight on your neck, you could even like unzip it a little bit to give yourself a little bit more breathing room. If you felt, you know, constricted with the cold water and that was kind of a thing for you. Um, but I think swim run, you could definitely have less of that, like shocking that you do in triathlon, maybe like when the gun goes off and you're in the cold water. Um, so that's definitely, definitely a plus. Yeah, I I agree. I think if there's a run first, I mean, I haven't done a swim run, but if there was a run long enough first, I probably wouldn't get in the water yeah. ahead of time just because you'll get warm and you're going to sweat probably in that wetsuit running in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'll kind of, I do think it's like, I don't, I've never worn a swim run wetsuit, but like how wetsuits work is they, they do heat up a little layer of water between your skin and the neoprene. And so it can help to have some water in there, but honestly, like sweat might, you might sweat enough thing. that yeah. <laughs> you have that there. And so if it started with a swim, my advice would be different. Then I probably am either, either do a swim warm up, 
jog a little so that you do get warm in your wetsuit or even I saw Annie how before St. George, she had like a, a hot water bottle oh, that yeah. she poured into her wetsuit before the start. And so if that's logistically possible, then you start, then you have like warm water already in your wetsuit. And so I thought that was really smart, but, um, but yeah, if there's a mile run, like you said, <laughs> I definitely would be like, you'll be fine by the yeah. time you get there. And I, I think, I feel like I would be a a dive in type person, but cause once I, I just like, I don't know, but that I like cold water. So yeah. that's no, it. it was by that. I mean, by the middle of it, especially July, like, you know, let's hope for a nice sunny day. Like if it's warm, you're like really welcoming that like refreshing little swim you get to. And some of the swims are so short. They're like 50 meters, right. They're like a hundred meters. Right. So like you just get to get in and cool down and then you're like, Whew, okay. And then you're getting out again, you know? So Um, so that is, I think it's, it's, it is for sure, like less jarring, I think, than it can be when you're, you're doing a triathlon cold swim. So that's good. Thanks to Jill for the question. And if anyone else, again, if you want to write in our mailbag is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, we've teased a little bit about our guests today, but can you give them a proper introduction for us? Yeah, I have teased big time. One of our guests is a returning guest, Julie M.T. Walker from the Atlanta Tri-Sisters. You know her, you love her. If you have not listened to our past interviews with with Julie, we've talked to her twice. She's the founder, CEO slash president of those Atlanta Tri-Sisters. Definitely scroll through our archives and listen to uh, our great conversation, but we're having her back. She is joined by Susan Daniels and Susan Daniels was a race director of St. Anthony's triathlon for 10 years of the race's existence. She, you know, was in that position through 2019. So now she works with a small team at best damn events. She's, she's still working the multi-sport industry, but I wanted to talk to Susan about, uh, you know, what makes St. Anthony special? Why is it such a great event for beginners, um, and professionals? Like how does this one race attract such a, broad variety of, of athletes and make it such a welcoming place for all different abilities, all different competitive levels, all, you know, just tons of different types of people. And, and then Julie gave us the, uh, the competitor perspective. Why does she keep coming back? I think the Atlanta Tri-Sisters are planning on having 40 athletes at St. Anthony's this, this year. And so Julie tells us, you know, what, what's special about St. Anthony's and why they keep coming back. And, you know, they got me very excited to race there this weekend. So we'll have that conversation with Susan Daniels and Julie MT Walker, right after a word from our sponsors. No matter where you are at in your swimming journey, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. Use code IRONWOMEN15 for 15% off all items at orca.com. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast to Susan and welcome back to Julie. We're so excited to have you both here on the call. And I'd love to start with Susan because the first St. Anthony's triathlon happened in 1984. So 2023 does mark 40 years of the event. And you were the race director for 10 of those through 2019. So how does it feel for you to see the race reach this, this 40 year milestone? 
I am super excited about seeing this one roll out. I was there for the 30th. I did the 25th. I was there for the 30th and, and also race directed the 35th. So to see 40 roll around, um, it's just super, super amazing. And I can't wait to see all the faces and stuff in the crowd there this weekend. Um, I've heard names of people that are like, it's the 40th. Are you kidding? I'm like, you haven't raced in 10 years. I don't care. It's the 40th. I'm doing it. <laughs> Those mile, like big milestone years always feel like a good reason to go back and do your favorite races. That's for sure. And exactly. And Susan, your race director tenure spanned the 2010s and triathlon really was evolving during that time. So can you right. tell us about the changes you noticed and how you and the team at St. Anthony's triathlon adapted during that decade? Um, I think we really, it really came down to, you know, we had seen, you know, some super growth going on there for a little while. And um, at that time, we only had the Olympic distance and the meek and mighty, um, but it still kind of gave, made for a, you know, a, a family event weekend where everybody could come and everybody could race. But I kept hearing in the background, like, Susan, this race is amazing from, I had a bazillion volunteers and even the volunteers, the other athletes that weren't doing the race would say, we can't do the Olympic distance, but we somehow want to get started. And for some reason they say no to the meek and mighty. And so we decided, you know, to bring that sprint into play. But I also think through the years, and especially when somebody's face pops up like Julie, you got to step back and you got to say, you know, I myself have been to many races when it's like, here, here's your stuff. Maybe not even have a good time, but it came down to our customer service and the way we treated the athletes and for me now to have stepped away from St. Anthony's, but still be in a different triathlon business and also a huge road race event business, um, I see these these athletes all over the place and they're, they just come running when they see you and know we miss you so much. But it came down to, you know, the customer service, our volunteers in, during and after the race, I would get countless emails that just said, you have got the best volunteers we've ever talked to in all of our life. They give me specific names, what aid station they were at, this, that, or the other. Always go straight back to those volunteers because we rounded up between 900 and 1,000 athletes or a volunteer, sorry, to put the event on that weekend. Um, but we really just wanted to... Um, even before myself, we knew we were good at race directing. Um, we, we knew how to dial it in. We pulled in the, you know, adjusted the customer service levels a little bit and then really focused on how great that race was because you, you can't, somebody comes from Colorado from Boulder, for instance, Cam Dye, the a former pros retired now. He would say time and time again, I'd say, are you coming this year? He'd say, are you kidding me? It's snowing here. I want to come back to that waterfront, 85 degrees and, you know, race that furious fast and flat that course. So. And, and Julie, we saw you applauding when Susan brought up the customer service at St. Anthony's, but <laughs> your initial first race in St. Anthony's, I think happened in 2009. So before you knew about how great it was, what drew you to this specific race? Well, in 2008, my hero now, Lynette Russell, an experienced and seasoned triathlete who had done St. Anthony's, convinced her girlfriends, ages mid-20s to mid-30s, to do their first triathlon, the Meek and Mighty. I was 53 years old and asked Lavette, who had the greatest body ever, 
since he was a triathlete, event, LeVent. If I do that meek and mighty, will my body look like your body? Oh, yes, Julie. So I did meek and mighty. It was St. Anthony. So um, although my body does not look like her body, after doing St. Anthony's race, I was hooked on the sport of triathlon and love the St. Anthony's Meek and Mighty Who Triathlon. And this sport is so addictive that you just want to improve your personal race results with each triathlon. That's why I keep coming back. And Julie, it was 2017 when you then decided to do your first Olympic distance race. And by then, you know, you're a seasoned triathlete. You have probably raced a few different places and seen some different, you know, venues and things like that. You could have raced anywhere, but was it that special, right? Your years doing Meek and Mighty and everything that made you choose St. Anthony's to do that first Olympic? Well, yes. And as I said, I'm addicted to St. Anthony's. They have a great event. It is so well organized fun, and a beautiful place, and has something for everyone, the beginners, the sprint triathlon, and the Olympic race, all in one weekend. Best of all, ATS has always felt so welcomed by Susan and her staff and the volunteers. They have been warm, helpful, which sets the tone for the whole weekend. Additionally, on a personal note, after my first Meek and Mining in April 2009, I had a kidney transplant in December 2010. And in December 2011, my native disease kidneys were removed. My kidney doctor advised that I could continue the sport of triathlon that I love, but I cannot swim in a lake or a river because of the higher levels of bacteria. Uh, So therefore, he said, I can only swim in salt water. And of course, St. Anthony is a saltwater swim. There are other triathlons um, that offer a saltwater swim, but we just love St. Anthony's Triathlon, St. Pete, and the close proximity to Atlanta so that we can all drive. And Susan, we've interviewed several women like Julie who who got their start in triathlon at the meek and mighty super sprint. And, and so Julie just told us what drew her to, to that race. I mean, sometimes it is a a, a friend, um, for, you know, peer pressure in, in one way or another. Uh, but do you have anything else that you can add, uh, that the race directing team does to create an environment that is so welcoming to first timers? 
Yes, of course. Um, I think that one of the biggest things we're so blessed with at St. Anthony's was that Olympic size swimming pool sitting on that property and the good relationship that we have with them. Um, that pool swim sees, seems to draw first timers big time uh, mm-hmm. to the event. And especially when you explain to them, you know, the, the, the little ones are going to only do this much that we're going to double it for the for the bigger kids and for the adults. Um, I think that that pool swim, again, the plethora of volunteers on that morning on the pool deck, there's probably one volunteer for every five kids to keep them in line. And even the adults, you asked Julie, those, those ladies get talking, you got to keep them in order. Um, but the volunteers, um, and again, the staff that we put around us, especially that morning for that event goes down into rolls into the transition area from the pool deck. Um, there's, um, I probably had recruited every single person I knew that was going to race on Sunday and said, Hey, come on, this is the future of our sport, get in that transition area and help these kids out because we don't let parents in the transition area. But yeah, it's just always been, um, try to make that one. That's the first race of the weekend, try to make it go off well. And, um, just the kids just keep coming back. And again, like I said, that is the future of our sport. I know this race is about women, but, um, I think we all know who Hunter Kemper is and that's where he got his first race. He started at the, in the make and mighty. Yeah. And I, well, I am just curious, how do you make it like, so it's welcoming for children and, uh, someone in their fifties, like Julie at the same race and making that okay, because it could feel like, you know, to someone who's in their fifties, like, oh no, I'm doing the kids race, but it seems like that doesn't happen. Yeah. They have their own wave of 16 plus adults. We usually start them off first and the super sprint is not as popular anymore. Um, at, at a lot of different races. So when people see that we do have that super sprint and, and plus the, the big asterisk is on that pool swim that they don't have to swim in a lake or large body of water. Um, I think that just really draws people in. And again, it's a family, you know, it's, it's viewed as a family weekend, a family event. And so dad's racing on Sunday, you know, the kids are tired of standing around watching him race all day on Sunday, no matter what the distance is. And they get their chance on um, Saturday. And if you want to talk about a bunch of little hot shots, you should, it's so cool on the pool deck. And Susan, you've mentioned now a couple times your volunteers. And yes. so I just want to ask a quick question. I know, you know, you see races pop up and you see sometimes races really struggle to get volunteers, right? Yes. And it seems Especially like now that, you know, you have a special, you know, ability with this, this race to bring the volunteer, like plenty of volunteers, right? And that's become a trademark of the event itself. So yes you know, was that kind of an active concept in your mind with like how you handled getting volunteers? Is it the customer service for the athletes? Just, you know, the same thing for them. I mean, I think there could be people out there who want to hear some secrets if you have any to share. Yeah, it is pretty much. Um, it, there's, there's several groups that we've had that we've had for 20 plus years and there's a waiting list to get on this group, this list of wannabe groups that want to volunteer at the big aid stations. Um, some of our really big time running groups and triathlon clubs, the, the wives and the families will run those aid stations. Um, but it's just always been about, you know, trying to remember to keep, you know, it's not just a four hour shift or a three hour shift, whatever they're doing. Um, but just always like trying to make them feel welcome and feel at home, take care of them as well, feed them, give them that shirt and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and they, 
I, I, I'll tell you one piece of advice that I always give everybody. I might see them in the grocery store or I might get an email from somebody or phone call and they say, you know, how do I, how do I do a triathlon? I spent a lot of time on email and I spent a lot of time on phone calls. Um, but one of my first things is that I always say, go and be a volunteer. And whatever thing you're feeling kind of shaky about, volunteer in the transition area or volunteer down at the swim and you'll get a firsthand view of what that triathlon is going to be like. And that, that has helped a lot, but then I lose them because now they want to race. <laughs> uh, I'm planning to volunteer at the meek and mighty, um, and then race. So I think it can go back, you know, both ways. I think with these like multi-day events, I'll, I'll report back afterwards, um, you know, and how, how I think it has, uh, impacted how I perceive the sport. I think I'm really looking forward to that. But Susan, uh, you know, we've talked so much about how St. Anthony's is a great race for someone who's doing their first triathlon or a new distance for the first time, but it does also attract some veterans and some of the world's top professionals. Um, I know what has brought me to, to this event and it's probably a little bit different path. I think Julie, Julie's had a big impact on me going to St. Anthony's. So she's recruiting for you here, but can you talk more about besides me, what is, what kind of efforts are you making to appeal to, you know, that, that, that other end of the triathlon spectrum, people who've been doing races for decades? Yeah. The, um, the actual, the veterans of the sport, um, they tell us, you know, it used to be the first race of the season. Technically it's not that anymore. So they would want to come out. And again, like Julie said, they've made their, they've made their mark on the course before they know what their time was. Well, they want to do better. They're three, four five years into it now. And they just want to see their self, how they've progressed. Um, again, flat, fast and furious course. This thing is, and, um, from the veterans, to, to the pros, I mean, seasoned pros, Cam Dye, Alicia Kay, Sarah Haskins, McClarity, all of them. Um, and even the young ones now that we see, that I see frequently throughout the year racing at a couple of other events are like, oh, we can't wait to get back to St. Anthony's. Love that course, love that course. And Julie, you've told us that you're bringing a group of around 40 athletes from yes. the Atlanta Tri-Sisters to St. Anthony's this year. So what does that weekend look like for you and your crew? Our goal is that all APS members or participants meet their goal of finishing their race. I coined the phrase that says, get your first F ever in life. The F is for finish your race, your pace, and have a good time doing it. We spend five months training together and want to make sure that all of our members, especially our beginners, are as prepared as possible. We create a St. Anthony's triathlon schedule so everyone will know exactly what to expect, including when to arrive, we give them a personal tour of their race site, you know, near the pool for the meek and mighty and the ocean for the sprint. And then we include all of the excellent uh, seminars that St. Anthony puts on. They have a seminar for the beginners. They have a seminar for the first time, open water, whether you're doing the sprint or the Olympic. And so we give them a, a sheet that says everything to do. 
and all races are supported on their race day. So those of us that are doing the sprint and Olympic, we are there steering the meek and mighty participants. And then we demand that they do the same and get up at five o'clock in the morning to support those of us who are doing either the sprint or the Olympic. Then we celebrate our accomplishment with what we call the afterglow. On Sunday evening, we do a sunset cruise and all day Monday, we are at the beach just relaxing. And then Tuesday, we drive back to um, Atlanta. Nice. You do it right. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Um, I mean, need to change my plans. But uh, Julie, when you and I talked, I think it was just around a year ago, um, ATS's vice president, Deborah Carlton, had just received her USAT race directing certification. And I believe you're currently working on your own certification. So can you tell us a little bit about why you and Deborah decided to become race directors? Well, number one, we have a vision that we are going to put on an excellent race like St. Anthony here in Atlanta. A lot of people can't uh, afford, you know, to get away and, you know, pay for a hotel or drive. They just can't afford it. And or do not have the time to be away that long. So our vision is to become race directors and put on a similar signature event. Now we have uh, had our own race USA sanctioned uh, triathlon, but it was limited to our members because we wanted to get it right. And it was a perfect race, no injuries, everyone completed. Now our vision is to not only um, do St. Anthony's, but we want to um, put on a signature race event here in Atlanta. And we think to have two of us as race directors any, anything could happen to one of us. So it's always good to have a backup. And two minds, three minds are better than one mind. <laughs> and Susan, as a more experienced race director, do you have any advice for Julie? Yeah, I think, you know, when I step back and look at it now, whether it be her or anybody else, but especially her, I know a lot about her background and saw her grow up, you know, through the years doing triathlon. I probably tell her, just remember where you started. You know, mm-hmm. you got to think of those things first, that the, the athlete, the total athlete experience over the weekend is what is going to bring them back. And more importantly, stick to that checklist. I mean, everybody will give you a checklist on how to put a triathlon on, do it forward and do it backward, do it a hundred times. And like she said, she has two minds. Um, I always did have a bat. I had a, I had an assistant and she was really, really good. But again, you know, run it by the, by two of you, just make sure that everything is super, super safe and that everybody's going to have a very good time. 
And Susan, we know you're not actively working as the race director at St. Anthony's now, but you're still very involved with the sport. And you mentioned, you know, during the 2010s, that, that rapid growth that triathlon experienced. And uh, what do you think about the status of the sport right now? And how do we keep it growing? Hopefully, you know, so we're celebrating St. Anthony's 80th year, uh, 40 years from now. Yes, for sure. I, you know, I always think about that. And I think to myself, I think back to that kids race, you know, you've got to have those kids race that that's our future triathlete. That is where they come from, whether they are, they start out at 16 or 60 in that make and mighty event. Um, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta start with them. You gotta include them. I see a lot of races going on nowadays where they have maybe just one race where they may have two, even a duathlon, but no kids race. And these parents are always on me like, you know, what would make these people have a kid's race? But I think that's the key to keep keeping this going. Everything I've mentioned before, um, but kids races and, and of course, you know, you've got to be good at getting sponsors. And Julie, you're also an experienced triathlete who has become even more involved in the sport over the years. So is there anything you think triathletes and anyone working in the sport can be doing to help it grow and to reach more people in these coming years? We describe APS as a group of Black women of all ages and abilities. This year, our age range is age 25 to age 69, with the average age being 50 years old. The point of this is that triathletes need not fit in a certain mode. Outreach should be inclusive of all groups and should start early with children, just like Susan said. Maintenance and growth comes with a setting that has a welcoming tone towards everyone during our training program and at all events. This can be an explicit expectation of our coaching staff and vendors. Hopefully the welcoming atmosphere rubs off on other participants. ATS membership has grown from seven members in 2013 to 55 plus members. Not all of the members race every year, but once one person has experience in St. Anthony's Meek and Mighty, they bring their friends, their family, their children, and we continue to grow. This growth is from new members and the great training and race experience they have that they come back to APS. One member that I worked on for four years before she joined APS, APS and completed her first Meek and Mighty said at our post St. Anthony celebration and awards gathering, my goal for my first triathlon was to complete, and my next triathlon will be to compete. So she's already thinking about, I'm going to do better the next time. 
you really get addicted because you're not trying to compete with other ATS members. You're trying to get better race results. So you're competing against yourself. And then many of our athletes, they do the meat and mining and they're terrified of going in the ocean. So they may come down and help and volunteer. And we love that. But uh, most of our meat and mining, we say you can do the meat and mining twice. Then you have to step up and do the sprint. We prepare them by coming down to get open water swim lessons from Coach Leo. I've been with him for 10 years, and I require that if you move up, you must go down in March, a month before St. Anthony's, and take open water swim lessons. We were there uh, at the end of March, and the first day on Saturday, the water was very, very choppy. And I felt bad for the first timers, but it was a good experience because you never know what the water will be. The second day on Sunday, the water had calmed down and they were very happy and relaxed. I told them I was fortunate enough when I did my first sprint and my first Olympic, the water was smooth. But ever since then, it has been happy <laughs> waves. And one year, um, remember, Susan, you had to cut the race to 900 uh, yards for the um, non-professionals because the waves were that bad. Another idea to introduce the sport of triathlon is to introduce it in the school system. Get the kids involved. Rural and urban public school system. We help. uh, They have a big kids triathlon in August for kids. And our members help at the YMCA, we, they offer a free eight-week training course for the kids, and we go volunteer with them. And then, you know me, I'm recruiting the parents. You want to do your own triathlon? <laughs> you too can be a triathlete. And I get some and then sometimes I don't. Wait, oh, Susan, okay. I'd love to hear a little bit more about Coach Leo and and this oh. lessons. Is that official through St. Anthony's? Yes. Yeah, so actually, Julie called me up one like Friday afternoon and said, hey, we'll be rolling in town next weekend. Are, do you have somebody that can that can watch us and can go through swimming and stuff with us? And I said, yeah. And it gets worse than that because I actually had, I'm not going to say the name, we have a professional hockey team here, the Tampa Bay Lightning. One of their exclusive members that had just retired got in a bet with all of his buddies and said that he was going to do a triathlon. He called me on Thursday night and said, hey, Susan, is there any way you can get me to a swim coach? Kind of same thing Julie did with us. And so, yeah, Vinny, I got you. Sorry, I didn't mean to say his first name. I got you to the best swim coach there was. But yeah, OWS Leo Bricino, he is so good. 
So good. Big old Hawaiian guy. He takes care of takes care of everybody from the kids to the to the adults. He regularly swims. I live in Clearwater, but he regularly has this swim off this beautiful point. It's called Sand Key Park, a county park in Clearwater. But as St. Anne's is rope uh, rope roping up, he moves all this stuff down to St. Pete and they all get to swim with him down there. Oh, that's very cool. And uh, cool for our listeners to hear, you know, there is a way like there are people out yes. there who will help you if you if you are, uh, you know, have a little fear of the open water or if Julie's told you your two times of the meek and mighty are up how <laughs> to move on. Uh, as we close this interview, I'd love for both of you to offer a piece of advice for anyone traveling to St. Petersburg to race any of the St. Anthony's events for the first time. So, yes, I'm soliciting advice for myself. Um, let's start with Susan. Do you have, do you have any advice for me or for others in my position? Oh, yeah. Just, um, make sure, you know, when you get here, you, you get to check out that downtown area. It is beautiful down there as a third generation St. Petersburg native. Um, I have to say that repeatedly don't have the city on my back anymore saying you better be saying that now. Um, it's a beautiful place. There's so much waterfront, um, uh, real estate down there that you can, you know, see, and you can, see the water. There's not a lot of big buildings covering it all up. Um, but the biggest thing is take the time, spend time with your family, but make sure you take the time to check out the course. Go look at that swim course and the 12th Avenue North. You can walk right down there past the tennis courts and you can see where it goes and, and where it swims to. And another big thing, check out that as you exit that by the bike exit, check out those cobbles. I'm a huge fan of cycling, so I'm going to call them cobbles, but are they all, they're red bricks and they're, they're a little rough, but you only have about a hundred yards of those and you'll get off of them. Um, and then the run, you know, just make sure you know where you're going. Uh, again, you're, you're in for some beautiful scenery as you're going through there. Um, and, and also just keep your head up and smile at, I mean, just people, you know, camp out at the end of their driveway. They're there to, to, for you to have a good time. And again, all the volunteers, but yeah, make sure you check out that beautiful downtown area. And Julie, how about you? Do you have any pieces of advice? Well, I would advise that you find a triathlon group like Atlanta Tri-Sister that offers a group training program for the swim, the bike, the run. And the fourth discipline is transition. Yes. ATS also prepares our members with a how to change a flat tire clinic. And the last thing that Atlanta Tri-Sister does for our training program is that we do a tri-simulation. So they will actually swim. We make them swim the full 200 yards, but we um, minimize the bike and the run. They don't do the full meek and mighty. And also, we tell them over and over again, your race, your pace, get your F4 finish. And we, at the beginning, tell people to get an accountability partner someone that they can train with, and then you know you're going to, you know, swim by one. And um, one of our coaches, um, Coach Ilanga, he's a USA triathlon uh, certified coach. He tells us to train hard 
to race easing. And all I would have to say is to learn more about tri Atlanta Tri-Sisters, please visit our website, atlantatrisisters.org. We will update our Facebook, and we are finally going to add an Instagram um, account. But really, find the club, because it's better to have a group that um, you can train with, because you'll be more motivated to continue your training and be prepared for your race. And then the group can help with the post-race afterglow celebrations too, which also sounds like a crucial part to that weekend, I think. <laughs> right. And we actually uh, give out awards at our post-St. Uh, Anthony celebration because we have seen people cut 10 minutes off of their race time. That's phenomenal. Uh, in the swim portion, especially. Wow. Yeah. So we give out awards. Um, one woman um, was so terrified of the swim that she had all kind of gas gadgets. She had a face mask. We had to call Susan and, and ask, can she actually wear a face mask? Because she was so scared. And they said, of course. And then the very next year, she did the race without the face mask. See, that was her own personal goal, from face mask to no mask, and she finished. I love these stories. I feel like we could have hours of podcast stories with you two telling about this race, but... Thank you both for your time and these perspectives. I think this has been an excellent way to get hyped up for a Haley's race down there coming yes. up. So this no better way than to do it. So thank you both for, for kind of helping me be that hype squad for her race coming up. Okay, well, Haley, make sure you come visit. I'll be in the registration tent, probably at the meek and mighty tent on Friday. Oh, perfect. You won't, you won't be able to miss me. I, uh, I try to be seen at these events, but I can't wait to see both of you. Yes, thank yes. you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys. See you soon. Yes. Real soon. Bye now. Bye-bye. And last but not least, thank you to my first and current triathlon coach, Dwelling that started me on my triathlon journey 10 years ago that made me start Atlanta Tri-Sisters. Thank you, Coach Dwelling. Haley, we've been racing a lot lately. We've been talking about a lot of races lately, and we haven't been the only one ones at the races in the feisty triathlon space because our editor, Lydia Russell, recently was racing as well. Yeah, that's right. Lydia did the uh, America's Cup triathlon in uh, St. Peter's, Missouri, and she placed 15th, which is awesome. That was the race that was won by Katie Zavira. Second place was Gwen Jorgensen. So we're talking like some of the best uh, American women out there in triathlon and draft legal triathlon. So Lydia mixing it up. So we're excited to watch the rest of her season as well. And we thank her for her good work editing our show. Yes. Congratulations, Lydia and Haley. 
I imagine race week. Well, we know once you get there, things are a little different than maybe you would be doing for Ironman, but I imagine the like pre-race workouts could be a little bit different too, but I hope you are enjoying a little bit of taper maybe and travel safe travels down to St. Pete's. And I can't wait to hear about how the race goes. I'll have the whole report next week. Thanks, Alyssa. Talk to you later. You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.